The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. Well, greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Open Door, the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters and where we invite you to awaken to the light within. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. And we also want to welcome Sid Bennett into the conversation today. Good to be here, gentlemen. Hi, Sid. Good to see you. Now, for many of you who have listened to us before, you know that we regularly focus on key themes. Like today, where mm-hmm. our focus will be on reincarnation. And it's absolutely right. But maybe not in the way you might imagine. Now, Sid, I know that you've been particularly interested in this subject, especially from the direction we'll be taking today. Want to help us kind of set up our show's special spin? Yeah, you know, this is very exciting. You know, the understanding of karma is so key to our individual path and the exactness of karma, why we do certain things, where we are, etc., Well, today we're going to begin a series where we'll hear about the lives of famous individuals and how they got into that situation, how their karma is manifest, and how if they didn't do something different, you can see how it trapped them. For some, there was a victory, but for some, it was more of the same, which wasn't particularly good. (laughs) So this is a great way to understand karma. Yeah. Yeah, and we should point out here also that this series of shows on reincarnation is based on a remarkable DVD from Elizabeth Clare Prophet titled, Nine cats, nine lives. <laughs> now, I should, should point out anybody who happens to get this, uh, <laughs> technically the DVD covers the lives and embodiments of seven historically significant individuals, not nine. Mm-hmm. But the title is really meant to evoke the concept of repeated opportunity to balance our karma and right past wrongs. And, and these are all individuals that you will recognize, like the, like the famous soul we're going to learn about today, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yeah, and in the coming weeks, we'll learn some fascinating details about the many lives of Al Capone, uh, Margaret Thatcher, Henry Ford, Winston Churchill. I think it's safe to say that this is radio unlike <laughs> anything you'll hear anywhere else, Tom. <laughs> I think so, too. It's true. You know, we say this a lot, that reincarnation is a reflection of the infinite mercy of God who offers us opportunities to finally get it right. <laughs> and, th- and that's why this subject is so important, why we focus on it. It's really important for our live streams, not just an interesting study of others. Yeah, oh, truly. And opportunity really is the key word here. Because each embodiment we live through includes circumstances, lessons, relationships, and so on that we knew we would face before we were born. Yeah, I want to underscore that. Before we were born, I mean, really think about it. Our life circumstances were chosen to give us the best opportunity to succeed and advance spiritually. Now, that doesn't mean that we will. 
that we won't choose something different as our lives unfold. We do have free will after all. But when we say advance on the spiritual path, we're talking about moving ever closer to the moment when we will ascend and fully and finally reunite with God. And understanding that, that (laughs) the ascension is the goal of every life. And until we understand that, you know, we may not do the right things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, working through our karma is not a one-lifetime proposition. No. Uh, we can accelerate the balancing of our negative karma with the help of the Ascended Masters and the incredible violet flame. But it's just not going to happen on its own. No, no indeed. So looking at the various talents, affinities, and passions that we have, we have naturally can give us some pretty big clues as to what we may be here this lifetime to accomplish. Well, which is why studying past embodiments of famous people can be helpful. And why? Because we know them for their talents and their accomplishments in this lifetime or in their last lifetime that we're aware of. And by looking back, we can see why they did what they did. What we will be sharing with you today and over the next few weeks will be a fascinating journey of spiritual time travel. Oh, we would. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Elizabeth Clare Prophet, with the help of the Ascended Masters, was given the ability to penetrate the veils of time, examine the Akashic records of certain souls, and give us a very revealing summary of certain of these souls' past lives. Mm-hmm. You know, in general, we, the Center Masters do not recommend that we try and revisit past lifetimes. You know, because for several reasons. One, for instance, if you know you're someone else or you discover that or whatever, and you start to study that person, then you bring up the records of that lifetime. And mm-hmm. it may or may not be God's will that you study that in this hour. Right. So the masters do not recommend going to psychics or any other thing and so forth to, to study past lives. Because God will give you what you need to know in terms of your karma and so forth and what you need to balance. But in this particular case, the ascended masters were given, Mrs. Prophet, this uh, understanding and this, this teaching so that we could illuminate how our own past lives and karma shape our current existence. So don't get caught up in who you were or what you were so much as understanding what you did and what you are bringing to this life in terms of your need to balance and sure redo. Well, and I mm-hmm. think that you know it, it, we must atu- uh, return uh, to, you know, if you will, the scene of the crime mm-hmm. t- uh, to balance our karma. And when we re-embody, it is always with the hope and belief that this time we'll get it right. And by God's grace, we will, understanding that we may not have limitless opportunities. In other words, it would be in our best interest to take full advantage of the opportunities we are given and get to work. You yeah. know, and, and, yeah. and one tragedy that happens to souls is they become karma dodgers. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, we've been putting off the reckoning with certain karmas for a long time. Yeah. But it takes a lot to get all the players into place, so to speak, yeah. for this karma. And when we turn and walk away from it because it's too hard, we are losing a tremendous opportunity. And so whatever your circumstances, even though it may be very difficult and certainly relationships and family situations and so forth are difficult, don't flee it because it's hard. Ask God to help you and embrace it. Use the violet flame. And for once and for all, conquer this karma and balance it so that you can move on. Well, and you said a key word. I think embrace is something that if you're karma dodging, you're, you're rejecting, you're repelling. But if you embrace the opportunity to learn with grace and gratitude... You have much greater opportunity. Yeah, there and to I, I know this isn't easy sometimes. It's yeah. very hard. But the problem is many of us have been avoiding this reckoning for so long. We've walked away so many times that we are stymied. We are stopped in our spiritual progress until we deal with this karma. And it's not always going to be there. Yeah. You know, it may be thousands of years before you get the next cycle 
to work on a particular karma. So whatever your lot today, and we'll learn this through the lessons Mm -hmm. of these souls we'll be hearing about, take advantage of it, even though it's hard. Trust that God would not have brought it to your your doorstep if you hadn't need to deal with it. And don't go in this and just try and do it on your human consciousness. This is where you need the help of God, of the angels, the ascended masters, to figure this thing out and finally resolve it. And that's a great point. I think that what we stress over and over again through this show and through our books and other um, multimedia products is that we do have associates in high places. We have friends there, the angels, the Elohim, the ascended masters, to help us get through this because we can't do it alone. And a lot, a lot of times we think, you know, like you've said, said many times, we have this training in the West, at least, that we're worthless sinners. So you kind of feel like, I'm just not deserving. I'm not worthy enough to do this yet. Yeah. I got to I gotta get myself in better shape. Then I can go to God and say, okay, now I'm ready. He's, <laughs> he's going, you've been ready. Ready or not, this is the hour. <laughs> this yeah. is it. And, you know, tr- believe me, I know there's family circumstances, illness, challenges are not easy, but don't walk away from them. Yeah. Don't flee from them. That doesn't mean that you don't ever, you know, remove yourself from circumstances. And that's where discernment comes in. Because there comes a time, for instance, sometimes in marriages where there's just no place to go because yeah. it takes two. But, but <clears throat> unless God shows you, stay with something till you feel clear in your heart that whatever the purpose or the reason you're in that situation is resolved. And God will guide you. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, talking about finite opportunity, um, <laughs> Let's talk about how many how many times have we been here? I mean, what's what's a good sense of? You know, I mean, is it hundreds I, I, of to- times? I'm almost afraid thousands to say. Thousands of times. I mean, one reference was made to having some of the older souls having a hundred thousand lifetimes. That's a lot. Which is incomprehensible wow. to well, me. It is. At least it is to me. I don't know what it is to others. <laughs> well, yes. It is to me too. I so, so I got to trust God that He's sorting all this out and bring the things I need. But I, one thing I'd add here, Terry, is I think we've shared before. Not all souls are the same age. And there's different life waves that come forth at different times. Now, for instance, there's a life wave that hasn't come yet that's supposed to embody in South America. And these are brand new souls. And the masters, my understanding, are holding them back until the earth gets a little better shape. So not everybody is the same age. It's, okay. it's the ongoing expansion of God and his kingdom. Uh, some of us know we're kind of old souls, but there are, <laughs> yeah. there are newer ones around. Is well, does this, does this uh, explain why... When, when you mention the Ascended Masters to some people, let's say, on the streets of life, that they either just draw a blank, it's kind of like in one ear and out the other, and other, uh, other people just, you know, will just grab a hold of well, it. Well, they have a soul, soul memory. You know, the souls that came forth at the, in the Piscean Age dispensation, their guru is Jesus. That's uh-huh. all they know. And so naturally, they're drawn to him. So, um, but, but many of us have a soul memory. You know, and when we hear the teachings of the Ascended Masters, it clicks. Yeah. And we don't understand it all necessarily, but we know it's true. We know there's been golden ages on this planet. We know we've been part of it. We know we've walked and talked with the Masters when they were in embodiment. And so we know also we got some work to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we do know that. And you mentioned earlier the possibility exists that tens of thousands, maybe 100,000 lifetimes. How many opportunities do we get? <laughs> you know, they're finite. Yeah. It's not forever. Yeah. And we have cycles. And God has been very patient, I think, if we've been around that long. And the mercy of God, as we'll hear in these live streams when we're hearing about it, the new opportunity that we get. But there does come a time when God says, choose this day who you will serve. Yeah. You have to make a decision where you're going. Whether that's this for your, you for this lifetime or not, I have no idea. God knows. But it's, it's, it's important that we understand that 
that we can't continue for another million years necessarily, there comes a day of reckoning. And the reckoning is to choose life. It's a wonderful reckoning. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Take the stand for life and for who you really are and who you can be. And let's stop this meandering, you know, through time and doing the same thing over and over again, the same mistakes. You no, know, that's old. Let's be done with that. Yeah. And, so you know, already. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about souls that, that are evolving and those that are not evolving. And we know that souls that, that are evolving re, are reincarnating. But what's the story on soul, uh, you know, people without souls or however well, you, you want know, to phrase it? We've talked that. about this in other shows that there's a, what's called a mechanization man that were created uh, many, many long time ago on planet and essentially test tube people. Mm-hmm. And they do not have threefold flames or souls, uh-huh. but they have a, a consciousness, if you will, and an energy field, and they do re-embody. But the amazing thing about this is, for those beings, they can choose to follow God, and they can get a threefold flame, which is pretty incredible. That's think pretty about amazing. It. Yeah, but incredible. if they don't choose that, then obviously they're not going anyplace. Yeah, yeah. I see. They're just going to flip burgers, and, and they don't they don't know. The well, at a certain between. point, they're, they're as it were. You know, they will. will <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. I'm just, <laughs> they will no longer be. So. Yeah, I mean, I've run into people. We've all run into people yeah, on are. the street, and we go, "Is this person? Well, is there anybody home?" You yeah. see, you <laughs> see what people do on on this planet, and they're not of God. They're either fallen angels or have been programmed by the fallen angels because yeah. if they were of God, they wouldn't do the things they do. You know, uh, before we go to the break, which we're <laughs> speeding up on very quickly here, um, we mentioned that we plan each lifetime beforehand. With whom? <laughs> there, there is a. a body of spiritual overseers called the Great Karmic Board. And at the beginning of every embodiment, at the end, we stand before them. The beginning, we review what we need to do, what we need to accomplish, what are the goals of that lifetime. And they're not always tremendous goals. They may be modest in some ways, Mm -hmm. but I think today it's it's more uh, aspiring. And as, you know, Edgar Cayce, who mentioned this in his his, um, uh, reading sometimes, said that a lot of people arrive at the end of embodiment pretty embarrassed because they haven't accomplished what they're said to do. So call to God to make sure you know what that is so you can do it. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Well, we've got to take a break here. Um, But do stay with us because when we return, we will begin our examination of the past lives of famous people, beginning with Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Please stay with us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. 
This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Welcome back, everyone. In our history and culture, certain figures stand out for their accomplishments. What put them in the right place at the right time, and what propelled them to do what they did? Perhaps their past lives can give us clues as to the choices they made. And in the following lecture excerpt, Elizabeth Clare Prophet gives us a great illustration of how the past forms and informs the present. All right, we're taking up the next life now. This should be very interesting for all of you. Very interesting. Life number one on Atlantis, male, 10,400 B.C. It was the time of decline on Atlantis. The continent had split into six provinces. Cities were decaying. Parts were overgrown and unsafe to enter. Guerrilla bands controlled sections of the provinces. Industrial plants sat idle and were breaking apart. Vestiges of representative government remained, but real power lay in various military leaders. This person incarnated as the first son in a military family. His father was the soul who would later incarnate as Joseph Stalin. As son, he organized a military takeover of the largest province. He disbanded the elected government. Although he promised to improve conditions, he created a totalitarian state. He set up prison camps for the indigent or indolent. He drove farmers from their land under the pretext that the government could work the land more efficiently with larger equipment. This uprooted people who moved to the cities. The province ended up a dictatorship with wealth concentrated in the hands of the few. Classes were divided into the very rich and the very poor. A new serf class arose. It was a dismal time. He died after ruling for 30 years. Life number two, Atlantis, male. He was reborn in one of his own slave labor camps. He died at age 10. Life number three, Egypt, male. He was a slave working on building a pyramid, not the pyramids at Giza. Nikita Khrushchev and Joseph Stalin were his bosses. They were over him. He was rewarded by them for being the hardest working slave and put in a position as foreman. He rose rapidly through the ranks as a capable administrator. He knew how to give the right combination of encouragement and the lash. He listened to other people's problems. He was poisoned by Khrushchev, who was jealous that he was gaining too much power. He died of this poisoning. Life number four, ancient Greece. He was born into a noble family. He became skilled in debate. He learned to sway popular opinion. He contributed to the downfall of Greece. He was cruel to slaves. He caused some to have their legs tied together at the knees for punishment. Six of them later became cripples and had to beg for a living. He had a wife but no children. Life number five, North Africa, 900 A.D. He was a black slave in a Muslim state. He worked in the fields during the first part of his life. He was castrated by the owner. Nevertheless, he loved a beautiful slave girl. 
In later life, a cart went out of control and knocked him over. The wheels ran over his legs at the knee, and he could never walk again. His master was kind and took care of him until he died. Life number six, Denmark, 12th century, female. Her name is Tekka. Her husband is a fisherman. She spent a devoted life caring for his nets. They had ten children. During middle age, she had been active in community affairs and organizing a system of preparing for and responding to storms. At old age, she was shipwrecked and rescued, but died soon after. Life number seven, Britain, 1789-1814, female. She was a young girl of noble family. She died of tuberculosis at age 25. No husband or children. Life number eight, America, male, 1824-1878. He was born to a New York banking family. He was involved in efforts to establish a central bank, apart from the government. He was involved in the efforts to begin the Civil War for the purposes of greater profits. He was killed by a runaway horse carriage in the streets of New York. Guess who this is? Can you speak up a little louder? Somebody already said it, so you have to be... Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was born into a wealthy, politically powerful, and socially prominent family on January 30, 1882. He was the only child of his father's second marriage. The Roosevelts had been in the country since the 17th century. Their wealth came from a sugar refinery and real estate. By the time Franklin was born, his father James was a prominent member of New York society. His mother's father had become wealthy through opium trade with China. Children of the rich and powerful often gravitate to positions of power. Franklin attended Harvard and married his distant cousin, Eleanor Roosevelt, in 1905. He was elected to the state senate in 1910 and re-elected in 1912. Between 1913 and 1920, he served as assistant secretary of the Navy under Woodrow Wilson. In 1918, Eleanor discovered that he was having an affair with Lucy Mercer, her former social secretary. Lucy supplied Franklin with a gay companionship that was missing in his relationship with Eleanor. Elliot Roosevelt later recalled that his parents enjoyed very few light moments. They never enjoyed anything in the way of lightheartedness in their lives, he said. Eleanor offered Franklin a divorce, but he instead broke off the affair. Although they resumed their marriage, Eleanor was deeply hurt and their lives were never the same. Elliot referred to their marriage after the affair as a partnership arrangement. In 1921, Roosevelt was stricken with polio and was paralyzed from the waist down. You can see that as a recall of his having injured those various individuals, binding the slaves at the knees. We always come back to pay our debts. The more you see these lifetimes, the more you realize that not one jot or tittle of a law passes away until we fulfill that law of karma. 
1924, he resumed his legal career and re-entered public life. In 1928, he was elected governor of New York. In 1932, he received the Democratic nomination for president. He campaigned on a platform of relief, recovery, and reform. As soon as he was sworn in, Roosevelt called Congress into special session, and in 100 days they passed the massive, far-reaching legislation known as the New Deal. From 1933 to 1945, he served as the 32nd President of the United States. When he took office, 13 million people were unemployed and the banking structure was collapsing. Millions heard his confident words over the radio, The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. He was able to galvanize the public behind his reforms with his informal and relaxed fireside chats over the radio. His New Deal legislation was passed with lightning speed. It included the creation of numerous federal agencies such as the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation and the Public Works Administration. He put people back to work, and they were grateful. However, in 1935 and 1936, the Supreme Court declared some New Deal legislation unconstitutional. Roosevelt proposed adding new justices to the court. Many people felt that he was simply trying to pack the court and undermine its separation of powers function. Roosevelt met with his first major legislative defeat. The legacy of the New Deal has been hotly debated almost since it was enacted. On the positive side, it gave people hope in one of America's darkest hours. In the short run, it addressed some of the acute problems of unemployment, but it had negative consequences as well. First, it was not an effective economic program. By 1937, the economy was still in the doldrums, and many of the structural, economic, and social problems we have today can be traced at least in part to New Deal policies. For example, on April 19, 1933, Roosevelt took the nation off the gold standard. That enabled politicians and bankers to manipulate the economy through monetary and fiscal policy. If we had the economic discipline of the gold standard, we would not have a deficit problem of the magnitude that we have today. The New Deal vastly increased the power of the federal bureaucracy. Tax and spend liberalism, so unpopular today, took firm hold during the Roosevelt years. Today it is widely recognized that the federal government is often the problem rather than the solution. Most people recognize the need for some kind of social welfare assistance, but they also recognize that many government programs are simply out of control. While the failure of government programs cannot all be laid at the feet of Roosevelt, they had their roots in New Deal legislation. After World War II began, Roosevelt built up American strength and made the country into an arsenal for democracy. He led the nation victoriously through World War II. One of the key relationships of Roosevelt's life was his relationship with Joseph Stalin. Most historians agree that he completely misjudged Stalin. During the war, he attempted to befriend Stalin. He bent over backwards to convince him that he could trust the West. As his advisor, Averill Harriman, later wrote, he was determined, establishing a close personal relationship with Stalin in wartime, to build confidence among the Kremlin leaders that Russia, now an acknowledged major power, could trust the West. George Kennan, one of America's foremost modern diplomats, wrote, I also have in mind FDR's evident conviction that Stalin, while perhaps a somewhat difficult customer, was only, after all, a person like any other person. That the reason we hadn't been able to get along with him in the past was that we had never really had anyone with a proper personality and the proper qualities of sympathy and imagination 
to deal with him, and that if only he could be exposed to the persuasive charms of someone like FDR himself, ideological preconceptions would melt, and Stalin's cooperation with the West could easily be arranged. For these assumptions, there were no grounds whatsoever, and they were of a puerility unworthy of a statesman of FDR's stature. End of quote by Kennan. Roosevelt told his longtime friend, William Bullitt, I think if I give him, Stalin, everything I possibly can and ask nothing from him in return, noblesse oblige, he won't try to annex anything and will work with me for a world of peace and democracy. End of quote by Bullitt. Even when the Soviets violated the Yalta agreements in the spring of 1945, Roosevelt continued to court Stalin. Roosevelt made many concessions to Stalin throughout the war. At Yalta, he gave the Soviet Union territories in Japan and China in exchange for Stalin's agreement to enter the war against Japan. The decisions at Yalta permitted the creation of Soviet-style governments in Poland, Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, Hungary, Romania, and Bulgaria, as you well know. Stalin agreed to free and unfettered elections in Poland as early as possible. After the war, free elections never happened in Poland, and the Soviet puppet government remained in power. Winston Churchill and Roosevelt had greatly differing views of the post-war future of Europe. Churchill's private dream was to establish a United States of Europe, excluding the Soviet Union, in which the barriers between nations will be greatly minimized and unrestricted travel will be possible. Roosevelt, on the other hand, in a conversation with Francis Cardinal Spellman, revealed that he had no compunctions whatsoever about abandoning Europe to Stalin. He said that the European people would simply have to endure Russian domination in the hope that in 10 or 20 years, the European influence would bring the Russians to become less barbarous. Roosevelt here revealed himself an elitist to the core. Privately, Churchill opposed the Yalta Agreement, the Declaration on Liberated Europe, but he supported it publicly so as not to endanger his alliance with America. Churchill opposed the Yalta Agreement. Another example of Roosevelt's mad pursuit of friendship with Stalin was his refusal to press Stalin to help the Poles. This was a time when the Polish Home Army was being slaughtered by the Germans, while Stalin's Red Army sat on the other side of the Vistula River and watched. Cannon wrote of Roosevelt's attitude toward Poland, quote, One gets the impression that it seemed to FDR of little importance whether these areas were Polish or Russian. His anxiety was rather that he had a large body of voting constituents in this country of Polish or Baltic origin. End of quote by Kennan. Roosevelt saw greater danger in British imperialism than Soviet imperialism, despite the fact that the Soviets had recently slaughtered millions of their own people. Whose side was he really on, anyway? You can see these relationships having been formed a long time ago, and the absolute need of FDR for that father figure to have that father figure and to please that father figure. Remember, millions of people lost their lives for the liberation of Europe. And at the end of the war, the Soviets were handed over Eastern Europe by a treaty that Churchill didn't want, but that Roosevelt forced on him 
and that Stalin lapped up. So it is a very serious karma here, the karma of one individual who causes the enslaving of the European nations of Eastern Europe up until these very last few years, when they have finally some sense of freedom, but really very little freedom because their economies and their nations have been spoiled, they've been sacked, they've been looted, they've been had. And the peoples of these East European nations are perfectly capable of the free enterprise system. America is filled with peoples from these nations. And all these years, all of our lives, till very recently, till the turning of the decade of the 1990s, these people have been under the harshest rule, secret police, armies of the USSR, because one man had this bent in his personality. This is when you begin to ask yourself, who is FDR, where did he come from, and how could one man so distort the flame of freedom and the flame of liberty for so many millions of people for so long? <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed that. We've got plenty more of these coming the coming weeks, so uh, yeah, stay very tuned. Interesting. Up next, our weekly Q&A, and today, as you already know, we've got Sid Bennett in the studio with us, and we're talking about reincarnation. We hope you'll come back for that. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Right now, all over the world, warriors of light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free, no login required. Simply go to tsl.org slash keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a Keeper of the Flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org slash keepers and prepare to accelerate. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Okay, Sid and Terry, we've obviously covered this subject before, (laughs) but what is it that makes today's slant on reincarnation so special and unusual? Well, I think it illustrates, um, Tom, very clearly the greatest blessing we have and the greatest challenge, which is free will. And you can Mm -hmm. see how through free will we can become God and realize who we are. 
but we can get ourselves in terrible messes. And, and I think what is so key here is understanding momentum. Things we did in the past, if we don't stop that spiral, so to speak, mm-hmm. we repeat them over and over and over again. Now, and it can be very karma-making if we don't break these spirals and these momentums. And we can see this in the life of Roosevelt, where he had these momentums of taking power and being insensitive to the lot of people. And that manifested in that embodiment, <clears throat> excuse me, as FDR. And look at the unbelievable karma he made. Oh boy. So the, the message here is we need to be careful, not be afraid of going out the door in the morning, but be clear <laughs> on who we are and how we want to live. Well, you know, uh, during the break, you, um, you said, this is getting old. I think you were referring to the fact that we see these cycles repeating amongst our leaders, you know, over and over and over again. And you're right. It gets old. Well, it, it, and, <laughs> and we're the victims, so to speak, you yeah, know. Yeah. And some of these people have a karma to be leaders again because they made so much karma before. Mm. And if the nation is, allows themselves to be vulnerable, that's the leader they get. I'm not saying it was God's will that this person was the leader of America at that time, but it was his karma and America obviously elected him. So... You know, you can see why our choices, both on an individual level and a collective level, have such far-reaching replications. Yeah. Echoes. And, and you know, one of his embodiments, he he lived a a very uh, short life. And so that's my next question. Some incarnations are a lot shorter than others. And (laughs) why is this? I think he was 10 years old. Yeah, well, he was, after he had enslaved people, he came back as a slave and died in one one of his own prison camps. But you can see the justice on that. Right. (laughs) Um, And so forth. And it's actually a mercy to his soul. Assume he has one, of course, um, <laughs> that, that he got to balance the karma that quickly, or at yeah. least some of it. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's, a, it's karma, it's free will. We never know the equation. And sometimes souls will embody for a very short period of time to balance a very specific karma. And it's obviously it's a tragi- tragedy when children die young. But we need to understand that sometimes that soul is leaving because it's the right thing for the soul, that they will come back in a new circumstance to get greater progress um, on their own spiritual path. So uh-huh. it's not as painful as it is. It's sometimes it's the will of the soul as well as God's will to have shorter embodiment. And, of course, sometimes lives are cut short simply because, um, you know, people were vulnerable. And I need, let me just inject one thing here, if I may. Sure. I recently heard a teaching that was given by one of the Elohim, and he said he told the story of a Christian woman and three children that were killed in a train accident. They were in the car. And he said, this was not God's will, that they would die. Well, why did they die? They're devoted Christians. He said, because people have not taken the teaching and understanding of calling to the angels for protection. Uh And one of the problems with the Protestant Reformation was taking Archangel Michael out of the scheme of things. If we understand that we need a call for protection every day, then these things, that would not have happened to them had they known and understood the use of Archangel Michael and the calling for them. So you can see how... You know, it wasn't God's will, but they left and bought him an earlier. Another individual that was killed in a car accident, and we were told the karma was he didn't put his seatbelt on. <laughs> so you can see sometimes it may have roots thousands of years ago, but it may be negligence, too. Right. right. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> you know, um, switching gears here just a little bit, um, when we focus on famous people, as we did to, uh, listening to the various embodiments of FDR today, we recognize that these people had special talents, special skills, obviously special karma to deal with. Maybe not special. They had karma. But we all have these, don't we? I mean, as we, we all come into life with certain talents, with skills, with propensities, with passions. You know? Absolutely. Why do we do what we do? Why are we led in a certain direction? Because our souls know we have a karma there 
or we have something to give. You know, some of the people that have brought the great inventions to this planet, they embody for that very reason. Yeah. And they're sponsored by the Ascended Masters, and they know what they're supposed to do. Um, so, you know, we have a mission, and, and it may not be an outer mission, so to speak, but there's a karmic mission for each one of us. And again, going back to this idea, we don't want to become karma dodgers. And some of the things we have to go through will not be pleasant, but they're necessary and essential if we are going to make progress on the spiritual path. Yep. So deal with what you have in front of you, the best of your ability with God's help, and see where that leads you. And maybe the open door when you balance that karma to something more wonderful and greater. Right. Amen. And, and you know, we spoke earlier about the ascension and the necessary qualifications to achieve it. And one of the ascension criteria was fulfilling our life purpose. What, you know, what we've been speaking about. Our particular interests, talents, and passions can actually tell us a lot about our life purpose, can't they? Well, they they can. And Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you channel those in a positive way. Because sometimes people can get off on the wrong track, for example, even though the certain momentum is in, in a particular area. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, there was a book written back, I don't know, in the 30s or 40s by, I think it was Lloyd Douglas, called The Magnificent Obsession. I don't know if you remember oh, that yeah. story. But basically, that. the guy is, is kills somebody, you know, he paralyzes somebody in a car accident that he was driving the car that did it. And he goes back to medical school and learns how to do this operation that will save him. Oh, and so it was, a, it was, a, it was a, like a teaching of what we do having to go back and fulfill a purpose or balancing a karma. But it's not all negative. There's very positive karma, too, that we want to bring forth to help people. So be attuned. Don't be dull. Don't be asleep. (laughs) Don't be caught up in the social activities or whatever it is in the world. But ask God to show you, ask for divine direction of life. What is my mission? What is my plan? What is the karma I need to balance? What is going to be my gift to this planet? Mm -hmm. So that when I leave here and stand before the karmic board, I won't be embarrassed. I'll be grateful I fulfilled my purpose. And a lot of times that hinges, perhaps all the time, hinges on the uh, concept of choice. Indeed. You know, I think, in fact, as certain financial ads tell us, past results are no guarantee of future performance. (laughs) (laughs) In the context of karma and reincarnation, just because we did good in a past life is no guarantee that we'll choose to do good in the next. And I'm thinking in particular of Al Capone. You know, we'll be looking at some of his past lives in our next live show Without giving too much away, Al Capone was actually canonized in a past life, but somewhere after that, he took a left turn. In other words, just because we've been good doesn't mean we'll continue to choose good. You know, pride goeth before the fall, as they say. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's why it's, it's perilous to think, you know, to live on the glory of past lives. You know, God is not impressed by that, and we shouldn't be either, because it only matters who you are today. Because as you suggest, Tom... Mm-hmm. People do make mistakes, and some of the people that have been spiritual so-called saints in the path have chosen the left-handed path after that. So, you know, it's who you are today that makes all the difference, mm-hmm. and we need to work on our momentums to recognize them for what they are, where they have taken us, and where, where if we don't change, they're going to take us in the future. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, if God wants you to know about a past life, he'll show you in a way that you need to understand. But if you look at your life and you see a pattern of momentum that you don't like, you can use the science of the spoken word to reverse that pattern, that momentum, and you yeah. work on it in various ways in the world. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to be the victim of your past karma or your momentums anymore. And that is the core of the essence of the teachings of the Seven Masters. You can be who you are. You can balance your karma. You can move on and fulfill God's purposes. Don't be burdened by what you may have done in this or other lifetimes. But take a stand to balance that karma. Use the violet flame God has given us that will maximize that opportunity and live your life as you know God wants you to live it. 
You know, there's, there's great joy and opportunity out there. You know, we've done everything there is to do in other lifetimes, so don't think we're any better than anybody else. It's only the mercy and the grace of God we have renewed opportunity to balance our karma and move on. And I, you know, I love that one quote from the Bible. I forget where it is, the New Testament. And God will remember your sins no more. Oh, yeah. But we've no. got to balance it first. Yeah. yeah. You know, and we, we have to get to that lever point where we live by choice, not by chance. Yeah. Well, just as our, our good momentums carry forward into our current lives, do our negative momentums also carry forward? Well, I think that's the point I was trying yeah. to make. Yeah. And yeah. so that's why... Catch yourself if you're so, going in the wrong direction. So you direction. can see it like a signpost. You can get off this, this rut. It's like an exit off a freeway, right, yeah. when you see these things? Exactly. And, and believe me, some of these momentums are so strong that they're unconscious even. Right. And so look at your life. Are there things you're doing that you know aren't what you want to be <clears> doing? <throat> Figure out a way to rest those. I mean, alcoholism is a, is a prime example. You take that momentum from lifetime to lifetime. Right. If you don't take a stand against it in this lifetime, Chances are you're going to be repeating that. And right. I don't think that's what you wanted. Well, and that's something that we can recognize in our lives. You know, we get to a certain point where we feel those pushes and those pulls. And, and we can equate those with things, knowing what we know now about karma and reincarnation. We can say, oh, okay, I recognize this is maybe a propensity of mine that's come from my past experience. I can fortify myself to withstand these temptations. And it's not who I really am. But if I, by free will, allow it to continue, then I will become that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got to take a break here, uh, but please stay with us. When we return, we will continue our discussion of reincarnation, karma, and getting it right <laughs> with Sid Bennett. Please stay with us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face, and their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Yes, we're back for one more segment. Happy that you stayed with us. Now, um... Let's move this discussion over to the violet flame. I think it's a really important topic, as we all know. 
and uh, has a lot to do with how we handle our lives, our karma. So let me ask this. What is it about the Vata Flame and its ability to accelerate the transmutation of our native karma that we need to know? You, you know, I think when people first grasp the understanding of reincarnation, and as we'll be hearing in this series of past lives, we think, oh, God, what a mess. What, what, what am I in? What have I done, you know, 10,000 years ago? Yeah. And it can be a little overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, it can be, you know. It's like I can't take it. It's too much. Well, don't be overwhelmed by this because this is the hour that you're learning about this because God has a way to accelerate dealing with our past momentums and karma in a positive way, and that is the violet flame. This is a dispensation that was given uh, going back to the 1930s, um, and it continues today to use this violet flame, and it's a spiritual flame. It's very tangible. It's not just illusory. It's very tangible. And what it does, it literally repolarizes or transmutes negative qualities on energy. So if we have a certain karma that we've sent forth, if we do nothing, it's going to come back exactly as we sent it forth, and and it actually gains some momentum of its own because it attracts like. So it could be worse coming back in some ways Mm. if we do nothing. And that's when karma falls on people's doorsteps, they leave embodiment suddenly, they get a major disease, whatever it is, you know. But the violet flame can actually go forth and change that energy. You can change your history by using violet flame. And you begin by balancing the karma in this lifetime, and you go right down the line. It's a dispensation, a gift, but it only works if we use it. God says you can use it if you demonstrate, you can get the benefit of it, you demonstrate your commitment by giving the violet flame and invoking it. And so it's a great dispensation to accelerate the balance of your karma. And this is why St. Germain says if you apply yourself to this path and use the violet flame, you can make your ascension in this lifetime or the next. So this is the hope. But mm-hmm. it's a hope that only is a hope if we use it. It's, it's not one that is going to just automatically do things for us. We have to demonstrate our free will by invoking and calling forth this violet flame. It will begin to change your life beginning with this embodiment and going back to not even untangle some of those knots, literally transmute um, what they were. And there's some things we still need to experience in the physical to gain our mastery and understanding, but it could be the difference between dying in a fire and burning your finger. So you can see why Mm. with the right devotion Mm. and humility and love, you can change your karma, and you don't have to be the victim of it. Well, uh, Sid, if we start doing these violet flame decrees daily, then what's a good level to start at? Uh, Ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Start with what you can do. Yeah, you know, start small. Thirty seconds. You know, don't say, "Well, I'm going to do an hour of violet flame decrees right. a day." I mean, you're not going to do that. You have to build a momentum to do that. When I started with decrees and I didn't know they work, I said to myself, "I'm going to commit five minutes a day to this." You mm-hmm. know, how's that for impressive? Hey, well, <laughs> but you know what happened when I started to give these? The five minutes it just dropped away because. I really liked it. And after a few weeks, I suddenly realized I feel differently. Mm -hmm. My life is different. And so it becomes a motivator. But like everything else in life, doing 15 minutes of Isla Flame once a month isn't going to make a difference. It's a daily momentum, whatever you can bring forth. But try it. I mean, how much time do we waste watching TV every day? (laughs) Take 10 or 15 minutes, use the Violet Flame for a certain period of time, and see for yourself whether you feel differently. I was amazed, quite frankly. Not every problem was resolved in two weeks, but I felt differently. Mm-hmm. And um, try, try, out, try it and find out for yourself. Yeah. You know, I totally agree with that. I think that the stories we could tell would probably all reflect pretty much the same experience, that there's a density that begins to dissipate. 
it's almost like the fog lifts and there's a clarity that comes to your mind, there's a clarity that comes to your being that you didn't have before. And you know that by adding this one thing, you can attribute it to the violet flame, to the practice, and you're right. It doesn't require an hour or two hours a day to start with. You've got to kind of build slowly. It's like running a, a marathon. You don't start running a marathon for the start. You know, you, you train for months, right? maybe longer. You know, build a momentum on giving the violet flame. Yeah. You know, build a positive momentum. You know, and of course, we also use the calls to Archangel Michael to accompany them because we do need protection. We need protection of the light we're calling forth, of our families, as we mentioned, and, um, you know, it's the law of octaves. We must invoke the protection. We must invoke the light. It is not automatic. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a question I'm sure in people's minds. I know that it was in mine initially, that if you, in fact, can transmute and accelerate the transmutation of negative karma, you can literally take a lifetime's worth of negative karma and transmute that in, what, months maybe? It's possible. It's possible. And, And this seems... You know, it's an unbelievable dispensation. It's very exciting. And this, you know, I can say it gave me the courage to face Mm -hmm. my karma because I could do something about it and not, you know, just like the Hindus believe, have to take another million years because I've taken a million so far. It's going to take another million to balance it. It doesn't have to. And whether you make your ascension as life or not, you are building a momentum. And if you have to come back again for some reason, you're going to bring that positive momentum with you. And positive begats positive, just as negative begats negative. Well, that's a key right. word. I think momentum, uh, we've discussed this in past shows where when you do a decree, you are tapping in the momentum of all those who have gone before you who have given that decree. Exactly. So there's this huge force field of vital flame energy that you're tapping into. It's the, the vital flame ocean. You know, they talk about a better resurrection, and the better resurrection comes from balancing more karma. And so if you want to get on with what you know is your real divine plan, but there's something in front of you in your life or your circumstances that needs to be balanced, deal with it at a physical level and deal with it as spiritual, especially in relationships. If you have difficult relationships, try invoking the violet flame, the forgiveness flame into that. You don't have to tell anybody you're doing it. Just call this forth and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. see what happens. Things. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a phrase, by their fruits shall ye know them. And uh, we are admonished. <laughs> know you're going with this. <laughs> yeah. We are admonished to be careful with our light, particularly as we gain more of it. And there are those, and we talk about them a lot, the fallen ones and forces of darkness, who live off of our light since they have none of their own. So how can we discern the difference, uh, the important difference, I would say, between those who would steal our light from us and those who would honor it? You know, one of the problems for God's children is we're a little bit naive. <laughs> a little bit, thank and you. <laughs> we want to see the good in everybody. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and that's 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 wonderful. But we have to understand the equation that there is not good in everyone. We need to be protected, our families need to protect it, our nation needs to protect it. This is where Archangel Michael comes in, and we're the gift of discernment. God, give me the discernment of who I give my light and love to and who I don't, because we can't continually be feeding those forces of darkness and expect to be free from them. So, you know, you, you can tell <laughs> by their fruits, and it's not people will say the right words and say the right things, um, but you have to go deep and have God show you um, what the truth is. Because we can't be not, you know, gentle as doves and wise as serpents, yep. you know. So yeah, yeah. It's key. Yeah. Well, when we talk about past lives and missed opportunities, it's easy to fall victim to guilt and self-condemnation. We talked about that a bit ago. After all, many of us have been raised to believe that we're worthless sinners. So there's a natural tendency to find support for that notion when we believe we've fallen short of the goal. But 
this is really a pretty bad idea, isn't it? It is. (laughs) When you condemn yourself, you are condemning God. Yeah. Because God is in you. You know, it's, it's painful to look at what we might have done in previous lifetimes. But understand that we need to recognize the error there and what we need to, to correct it, but not to condemn ourselves. Everyone has done this. Jesus and his previous embodiments before he ascended made mistakes. Mm-hmm. So nobody is perfect. You know, Mark and Elizabeth Claire Prophet are both ascended masters now. You know, they came in with less than 50% of their karma balance. They made a lot of karma. So you're in good company if you have karma. <laughs> So so accept the responsibility (laughs) for past mistakes, pray to balance that karma in love and in service, but throw away this notion we're worthless sinners. We have sinned, but we are by nature God and not worthless sinners. And don't let that lie be a weight or burden upon you. That's right. I agree. You know, before we close today's show, we should probably mention a couple of the books that we have on the subject of reincarnation and karma. Uh, because they're worth reading, and they'll give you a good grounding. You want to, you know, that one. Well, we've got, um, you know, we have a series on the lost teachings of Jesus, yeah, uh, which is missing tests on karma and reincarnation. That's a great one to understand. And you know, you'll find out how karma was actually part of the Christian religion early on in reincarnation, yeah, oh, and yeah. how it got thrown out, uh-huh. unfortunately. And we've got a little pocket guide called Karma and Reincarnation. And of course, today we're, we played an excerpt from the DVD, uh, Nine Cats and Nine Lives. It's a fascinating discussion. We won't be able to play all these lifetimes, but when you hear that, it's understanding and learning lessons of karma can be the key to you doing the right thing and moving forward. Your so thank you. Well, anyway, it's time for us to go. Uh, we're just kind of running out of time here. Yeah. Um, so let us just say, as we always do, um, write us at uh, tsl.org, right? Yeah, and yeah. And then uh, remember that though the upper path may be difficult, the rewards are... are. Out of, out of this, this world. world. Thanks, everyone. Stay with us. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.